there's a large bag of crisps on the table. I'm just waiting for my wife to open it and start, you know, munching loudly. Wait, I refuse to be the fall man it's, in your podcast episode. It's, <laughs> sorry, honey, the role is assigned. That's definitely it's getting a, included. You know, previously it's been she's t- she took up drum playing, it's um, <laughs> tap dancing, it's so yodeling. The one, yeah, the one man band that only lasted a few hours, thankfully. You need a fact check on this part of it's, the podcast. Uh, Hello and welcome back to Don't Touch Your Face, Foreign Policy's daily podcast on the coronavirus pandemic. On today's episode, we're going to talk about lockdowns and being caught out of place. Later on, we're going to talk to Ronnie Coleman, who's one of the thousands of Americans who found themselves stuck in Peru after the country closed its borders last Monday with little forewarning. But first this. The world is changing in ways that affect your life and your business. Do you have the intelligence you need? Now, FP is offering Insider. With a new FP Insider subscription, you will get all of FP's content plus exclusive access to data-driven intelligence, power maps that distill complex issues, in-depth special reports, and conference calls on the biggest stories and trends. Get global insight you can bank on. Subscribe to FP Insider today at foreignpolicy.com slash FP Insider. So, James, we ran an article last week by the science writer Laurie Garrett with the headline, Sorry, America, the full lockdown is coming. Do you think that's where we're headed right now? I don't think there can be any doubt about that at this point. I think Hmm. we're looking, particularly in the worst hit places like New York, at perhaps, you know, a six to eight week lockdown. Um, Oh, wow. Going, I mean, going along the, the lines of what happened in Wuhan, uh, where the city remains still under uh, quite heavy restrictions, although they are easing up. Mm-hmm. And then in in less hit areas, um, you know, we could we're still going to be looking at several weeks of uh, lo- of lockdown at least. By lockdown, I mean sort of shelter in place, as it's been called in California. Um, so restrictions on basically uh, all public spaces closed, everything except essential stores closed and services closed. Um, only leaving your home sort of ideally every uh, two or three days for a grocery run or for essentials like dog walking or some forms mm-hmm. of exercise um, along the lines of what we've seen in Italy and Spain. I mean, there's been quite a few articles over the past few days looking at some of the the unfortunate missteps in Italy. And one of the things that people have focused in on is that they waited too long before going to to a full lockdown, this shelter-in-place kind of situation where you only leave to go to the grocery store, pharmacy store, walk the dog, and that's it. Um, and I can't help but wonder, you know, why aren't we trying to nip this in the bud and, and do a full lockdown here? I mean, we're both here in Washington, D.C., where last time I looked, I think there was around 100 cases now, which is a lot when you consider that that's just the district and doesn't include Maryland and Virginia. But it still feels somewhat contained we're early on in the curve why aren't they doing just a full lockdown to try and stop it from getting to that point i think in the states it's quite hard to work out who would have the power to do that i mean (laughs) and who who exactly would enforce it um i mean are the you know the police going to be patrolling the streets sort of sending people home what does that mean in the context of somewhere that has you know the extreme kind of hostility between police and various communities that we've seen in in 
the states in the past and you know it's a bigger country a, more, a messier one and a trickier one and i think that these things are going to end up being handled on a city by city level and i will say i mean in in dc it does feel as though an enormous amount of people are already practicing social distancing already yeah confining themselves to home as much as possible um on a so far voluntary basis and of course the bars and restaurants have been closed which is really one of the the critical points so i mean if we are headed for this full lockdown situation what should we be thinking about in advance of that i think the most critical thing is to make sure you're not out of place so mm. you need to be thinking about where you want to spend the next two or three months and who you're going to spend that with whether that's with family with housemates with a significant other um, and you know to be honest if i was a single person I would be looking to make some kind of arrangement with neighbors or things whereby you you had at least some socialization with each other and maintained the same kind of hygiene standards um, just to avoid kind of total isolation. Um, but, you know, the, the couples, I think people will do that on a, an, an individual basis, will find the psychological means they need to survive. But the, you absolutely do not want to be stuck in another country or in temporary housing or any of these things which of course is an unavoidable reality for a lot of people and yeah. a lot of psychological trauma and tragedy is going to come out of this and i think that's especially hard for people who are stuck abroad i don't know have there been any big examples of that i mean in china of course we've seen people coming and going a little bit more since the restrictions eased but is there anywhere where people are just completely screwed yeah, so one of the big crisis centers right now seems to be Peru, um, where there's, I think, well over a thousand Americans who've just been stranded after the country closed the borders on Monday. Um, they gave very little forewarning, um, and a lot of a lot of flights were, were canceled by that point. And so there's actually a, a public spreadsheet going around called U.S. Citizens Stuck in Peru, which now has over 2,000 names on it. It's really quite frightening. On the right-hand side, there's a list of if people have any kind of particular conditions that, that need brought to attention. And people are listing, saying, you know, I have this health condition and I have, you know, four days, 10 days, whatever left of, of my medication before it runs out. Um, and so some countries have been able to get their citizens out of Peru. I think Argentina, Chile, Israel and Mexico have been able to repatriate their citizens. And there's been at least one flight, I think, of Americans out with some of the most high-risk people as well as Peace Corps volunteers and, and U.S. embassy staff whose families had particular health vulnerabilities. But there's still thousands of people stuck in Peru. Um, and on Saturday, Peru's defense minister said that it was going to completely close the borders. So it's not yet quite yet clear yet when these Americans are going to be able to, to come home. And on Friday, I spoke over Skype to Ronnie Coleman, a U.S. citizen who's been stranded in Lima, Peru, with his elderly parents. Here's our conversation. So uh, I showed up uh, in Peru. We flew in from Los Angeles, March 12th. Uh, I came in um, with my parents mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they had been planning on coming. My mom has family here. My mom's Peruvian. Uh, and we had been coming to visit family and friends and, uh, and hang out, check out Peru. I haven't been here for about 20 years. But, you know, before we came over here, I realized all the stuff that was going on. And I was talking to my parents. I'm like, are you sure we want to go right now with, you know, everything that's going on? Um, and, and my dad, you know, ever, ever resolute, he's like, yeah, it's not a big deal. We'll go. No big deal. My dad's 80 years old, by the way, for the record. And so we're, we got here and I think on the 16th, 
the government uh, officially said, hey, you know, with everything that's going on, uh, we are closing all of our borders, land, sea, and air, um, uh-huh. for 15 days. And I immediately called Leyte on my airlines, and I said, hey, what can I do to get out of here ASAP? I want to get out tonight. And, you know, they checked, and they said, there's nothing we can do. I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're going to have to wait. You're going to be stuck. When were you supposed to fly out? I was coming out. So I was supposed to be back in L.A. yesterday, the 19th. Okay. And so there's just no flights leaving Peru right now? None. Nothing. And so since then, I've been basically most of the days uh, on the horn with LATAM, with American Airlines, with Delta saying, hey, you know, you got anything? What's going on? And uh, with with LATAM, my original airline, uh, they said, you know what? We can reschedule you for March 31st. That's the earliest flight we have cleared for. Uh, so we took that. We said, yeah, let's, let's sign up okay. for that ASAP. So we have that. But they also gave us a caveat that said, you know, with everything that's going on, it is very possible that the government extends the border closure past the initial 15 days. Uh, so just be prepared for that. And, and mm-hmm. I said, all right, well, I will be prepared for that. Thank you for telling me. And uh, I started also talking to the U.S. Embassy. The, the communication coming out of there is almost comical. I got an email, I think, yesterday uh, saying, hey, here's the numbers for American Airlines, Delta, Latam, a couple of the airlines that operate your flight route, mm-hmm. um, call them and check it out. So I called each one of them. I've spent like four hours that day calling, waiting on hold. Obviously, everyone slams during all this stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the phone lines for the one, that, the actual phone number for Avianca Airlines ended up being a sex chat hotline. I, I don't know how, I don't know how the State Department, you know, screws the poops <sighs> that bad, but it's, it was comical. At first I was laughing, but then I think about it and immediately my confidence dropped in how they're handling and how organized they are in this effort. And I was like, oh my God, I'm never getting out of here. This is ridiculous. I don't want to go too deep in this rabbit hole, but was it an American sex chat number or is it a Peruvian? It was, well, so it's funny. It was, I think an 800 or an 855 number, but it was a Spanish speaking sex chat line. (laughs) And I understand that there's, I think a thousand is the number or close to a thousand Americans that are stuck in Peru that are looking to get out. Has there been any discussion of, of the State Department chartering flights to get to get folks out? Only today, actually, did I get okay. an email from the embassy saying that they are considering getting federally chartered flights back home. Mm-hmm. And this was after, you know, we'd heard, I think, this morning or even yesterday, Mexico was able to get federally chartered flights for their citizens stuck in Peru back to back to Mexico, back to their home soil okay. um, for free. These people didn't have to pay anything. They just had to prove that they were Mexican citizens and yeah. would get home. And so how are your folks doing? You said that your dad is, is 80. Is, you know, how is he feeling about all this? My dad's been fine. Uh, he does have quite a bit of medication he takes. He takes about a handful of prescriptions. Mm-hmm. And he, he, while he did bring extra, uh, he did not bring enough, I don't think, to cover until, you know, March 31st or April 1st or even later if he needed to. So that is the biggest concern I have right now is either getting him home before he his current pill uh his pill plan expires or getting a mm-hmm. refill here. But I don't even know how it will go around doing that. What's the situation like in Lima during the day when you're out and about? So there, I think since the 16th, they've put a big heavy restriction on, uh, you know, individual vehicles driving around. Most people cannot drive on the streets unless they're either emergency workers, healthcare workers, um, or have whatever good reason, quote unquote, and it's up to whoever's stopping them. It's up to their discretion as to let them through or not. Okay. Um, but at the same time, you know, 
at 8 p.m. when the curfew kicks in, people are cheering from their balconies and, and they're unified behind this. And I don't know if you heard some of the clapping when you called me, but people were cheering and, and all that stuff as the military was driving by uh, when curfew just took effect. So people, have, they've been doing a drive-by every night? Yeah, so since uh, I think the 16th, the past three nights uh, at 8 p.m. local time, uh, the cops or the military would drive by or walk by. Right now I'm looking down and I see a couple of uh, people in military fatigue. I see three people in military f- fatigues with uh, pretty large machine guns uh, walking by down the street. Um, and people are clapping, people are cheering, people are saying, you know, Viva Peru, Fuerte Peru, like go Peru, strong Peru, united Peru. Um, people are receptive to the, the actions that the government has done to kind of you know, do what's best for the people right now. How many coronavirus cases are there in Peru right now? Do you know? Yeah, last I checked, there were about 160, 165 or so. And that was mm-hmm. earlier today. So I'm sure that number has gone up since then. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, there have been zero deaths, although there have been some critical cases. Um, okay. But, you know, with everything that's going on, I'm sure that will shoot up at some point as well. Yeah. And are you in touch with the other Americans that are stuck in Peru right now? Most of us are within basically two big cities, it's Lima and Cusco, but there's also a big group of uh, Americans. Uh, I I think the actual count right now is closer to 1,500 plus in Peru uh, in total. Um, Mm. Most of them, like I said, are concentrated within the two big cities, but there's also some, you know, Peru has a lot of jungle and remote areas as well, and a, a few of the Americans are in those areas, and Peru right now has a um, a ban on interprovincial traffic. So they have concept of provinces here and they are locking down uh, unless there is a mandatory need to get from one place to another interprovincial traffic. Uh, so some people are stuck. Some people can't get to Lima or Cusco or the places with the airports to be able to get home right now. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Those are the people that I really feel for because I can't imagine, even with my level of uncertainty, and I'm kind of freaking out about it, I can't imagine what they're going through, not even able to get to a place with an airport. Well, unless there's anything else you want to add, I can let you go. No, that's it for me. Thank you okay, so much, Jimmy. I really appreciate the opportunity. No, thank you for taking the time to speak, and uh, I hope you and your parents stay well. I hope you get back here soon. Thank you. I'll definitely text you with some updates when I have them. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks very much, Ronnie. No problem. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Ronnie Coleman speaking over Skype. And just as a quick update, I was texting with Ronnie yesterday and their situation hasn't changed yet. He's still in Peru with his parents. Um, He said on Monday he's going to head out to a local pharmacy to see if he can get an emergency prescription for his father whose medication runs out in eight days. So James, you know, given that we're going to be spending a whole lot more time indoors for the vast foreseeable future, what are you doing to, to stave off the boredom um, and the insanity that's clawing at the edges of our skulls. Yeah, that's the boredom than the terror, really. Um, I've been, yeah. you know, playing some video games, uh, playing board games with my wife, um, and you know, I'm. Oh, do you s- have any board game recommendations? Oh yes, actually? yeah, yeah. We're, well, for for t- especially for two people. Um, mm. I mean, it always depends on on what what kind of games you like. We've been playing Everdell, which is a very cutesy little world um, game of city building with lovely animals and forests and things, which is a nice change oh, from reality. Nice. Um, yeah. It is nice. It's very nice. Uh, and Wingspan, which is about birds, and which is a big favorite in the FP office. In fact, it's it's in our recent list of recommendations for what to do in lockdown. And um, there's also a lot, there's a lot of good um, Cold War two-player games like Twilight Struggle and Ooh, 13 Days. Good. but. Well, it's it is good, you know. Um, you know, being Russianists, you and Elan would like that, but 
maybe a little too close to the state of global tensions to be to be comfortable at the moment. Um, Root, which is a great game of um, I, I can only describe as woodland fantasy Vietnam, uh, where you one 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 side is imperialists and one side is the uh, woodland alliance attempting to rebel. Uh, it's a, an excellent game. And yeah, and then, you know, I've, I have lots of books that I will mean to read and probably won't. <laughs> I know. Finally, now it's time to tackle all of War and Peace in the original Russian, everybody says, as they, you know, load up Netflix with like old episodes of 30 Rock. Yes. Yeah. We've been watching a lot of Shit's Creek, which is, is really light and is also like bite-sized kind of 20 minute episodes, which is nice to fit in the day for some quick relief. I was watching uh, Happy Endings and Better Off Ted, which are both great cancelled comedies for that same purpose. Nice. If you want to find out more about what our colleagues at FP have been up to while we've all been doing our bit and staying at home, head over to foreignpolicy.com, where you'll find the FP guide to staying in during a pandemic. Listeners, we want to hear from you as well. Tell us how the pandemic is affecting you wherever you are in the world. Send in your questions to don'ttouchyourface at foreignpolicy.com. You can also send your questions as an audio recording using the Voice Record app on your phone. That's it for today's edition of Don't Touch Your Face. I'm Amy McKinnon. I'm James Palmer. Our show is produced by Darcy Palder and Dan Haverty and is edited by Rob Sachs. Our web team includes Laurie Kelly and Kelly Kimball. The executive producer for news and podcasts at Foreign Policy is Dan Efron. Until next time, please remember to wash your hands. And don't touch your face. I think we're good. All right, cool, Amy. Good, good okay, work. Okay, thanks, mate. See you tomorrow. Take care. You Stay too. well. You too. Bye-bye.